of praise. It's Resurrection Sunday. We are celebrating Him together. We want to make the most of that. Why don't you grab a seat wherever you're at. Uh, welcome to True North. If we've not met, my name is Dean. I'm part of the team here. It is great to have you here. Welcome to everybody watching online. Give a big clap for everybody online. Lots of people out there. Different places. Now, did we lose? Uh, did we lo- okay, there we go. There we go. If you're watching at home, maybe you still have me. But it is uh, just great to be here. Like I said, if you don't normally come, uh, maybe this is, feels a bit new or maybe this is something you do once in a while. Uh, if you're here and you're new here, welcome. We're just so glad uh, that you're here. This is the day uh, that, you know, it's, this is called Easter Sunday, but it, for, we really, in lots of ways, we just call this as a church Resurrection Sunday because today we celebrate uniquely uh, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. I remember I was having a conversation a, a few years back with someone who had uh, brand new to faith, knew nothing much at all of the Christian faith or the story of Jesus or anything like that. And as I was explaining to this person, who actually had some questions about what baptism was, and I was explaining how baptism, part of it, symbolizes that just as Jesus rose from the dead, uh, when you are baptized, you are raised to new life. And it was amazing I spoke to this person. They had never heard, they were familiar with Jesus. They were familiar with the cross. But they had never heard the part of the story where Jesus rises again. And it's an amazing thing that sometimes so much uh, focus can be put onto the cross. And there's, for good reason, uh, we celebrate. And, and, and the cross has become the symbol of of uh, those who follow Jesus. But the cross, the power of the cross comes from the fact that Jesus rose again. And so today we're going to just reflect in a fresh way on all that the resurrection means. Because I'm convinced that each one of us, the more we come to understand and look in a fresh way, the resurrection is what's at the very heart of what it is to know Christ. And so today we're going to lean into understanding that in a fresh way. If you're new to faith, I hope you grasp something of why the resurrection is such, uh, why it's the very center of what it is to know Jesus. If you're a person of faith who's walked with Jesus for a long time, I hope that you will be uh, taken into a fresh appreciation for what Jesus has done. Because I'm convinced that through the resurrection, each one of us can know so much more joy and hope in our lives. I want to just read to you uh, from one of the accounts of Jesus when he appeared, resurrected to some of his followers. They were all in a room. They had been through this moment. Jesus had been buried in the tomb. It had been sealed, as we read earlier, you know, guard placed there. They thought everything was over. And they, in this moment, they're starting to hear kind of rumors and stories, people saying, we've seen him, he's alive. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And here's the account in Luke chapter 24. It says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and they were frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. It really is me. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them this question, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. 
And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem and finishing the very end of the world in Perth, Western Australia. <laughs> and then he said to them, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And then when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, this is up on a hillside, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and he was taken up into heaven. And then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Wherever you are, let me hear you say great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now, I, this, uh, this moment where Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appears to his followers leads to what we read about at the end, great joy. The resurrection, when we understand it, what it means, what it holds for us, uh, it brings our lives great joy. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we may ex be experiencing, where we've been, where we're going, actually this moment, understanding the resurrection, can bring every one of us great joy. And what I'm going to suggest to you is that joy comes from hope. Let me hear you say hope. Now, there's two kinds of hope, and I want to make sure you know what kind of hope I'm talking about today. Because I believe that when we understand the hope of the resurrection, we understand the hope of what Jesus has done, that's what brings us great joy. But the kind of hope I'm talking about is not, sometimes we say hope and we mean something like wishful thinking. Some people in our church know I'm a, a fan of American Gridiron, the Cleveland Browns, and that's my, my favorite sports team. If you're at our church for more than two weeks, you'll know that. I hope that they win the Super Bowl this year. That is a, an example of what we call wishful thinking, okay? I hope it, but it's not going to happen. You know, it, I actually have no good reason to believe it will happen. And plenty of reasons to believe it will not. But then there's a different kind of hope. There's lots of things we can hope for. I wish this would happen. I wish that would happen. But then there's things that we know with confidence will happen, but have not yet happened. And those are things that our hope is secure in. Things that we are confident and know this will happen and so we can actually put our hope there. It hasn't happened yet, but we can put our hope there and it will be safe there. And the resurrection of Jesus provides hope for each one of us that because he has been resurrected, we too can know the hope of resurrection. And that is what leads us to great joy. See, the hope of resurrection, uh, we're going to look this morning, I, I want us just to reflect on kind of three dimensions of, of hope that we see in this particular passage. The first kind of hope we see here is the hope of shalom. Let me hear you say shalom. Turn to the person next to you, or if you're at home, say it to yourself, and just say shalom. Shalom is, as you may know, the Hebrew word for peace. When Jesus comes back from the dead and he greets his disciples in this moment, he says, peace be with you. A Greek word there is erene, and it, it is the translation of, of shalom, of peace. This was a traditional Jewish greeting. This is how they greeted one another. Peace be with you. Shalom be with you. See, when we think of peace, sometimes we think of, uh, uh, of peace and think, well, it means there's no fighting. There's no conflict. And that's one way you have peace, and that's a good thing, and we can all hope for that kind of peace. 
But shalom in the kind of Hebrew understanding of this word, in the context where Jesus comes from, shalom is so much more than just like no fighting. It's so much more than just the absence of conflict. Shalom was a picture of the world as it ought to be. The world as it ought to be. You know, I love what uh, one theologian, Cornelius uh, Plantinga Jr., and you just sound smart if your name's Cornelius. Can we agree on that? You know? If your name's Cornelius, you are really smart or possibly an elf. But I don't know. Is anybody? No, Rudolph the Red Nose. Anyway, forget it. Sorry. Uh, don't say stuff that pops in your head. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Cornelius Plantinga Jr., great uh, theologian, incredibly. Uh, he, he writes Shalom as this. Shalom is the webbing together of God humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. Shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. A rich state of affairs in which natural, natural needs are satisfied, natural gifts are fruitfully employed. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. The full flourishing of human life in all aspects as God intended it to be. You know, in the scriptures, this is where the scriptures actually start. The story of the scriptures starts back in Genesis and creation and God creating uh, humankind, putting them in the garden where everything is just as it is meant to be. Humans are in relationship with him, with one another, and with the beautiful creation where God's placed them. But sin enters the picture and it wrecks that and it rips apart all those relationships. Sin rips apart how things ought to be. But Jesus, when he returns, resurrected to his followers, his first greeting is, Peace be with you. Shalom be with you. It is the hope of things becoming how they ought to be. The resurrection is the beginning of things returning to how they ought to be. The returning of humans into relationship with God. That out of that relationship can flow relationship. Love for God. Love for one another. The beginning of things going back the way they ought to be. When Jesus was being born, the angels declared, you know, peace on earth, shalom on earth, goodwill towards those on whom God's favor rests. When Jesus came to the world, this is what was happening. And why is this hope so important? Because when we know that there is a hope for how things ought to be, it reminds us that, there, that life is not an accident. Human history is not aimless. There is a creator who is unfolding his plan for how things ought to be. You know, whether you believe it or not, you need to know your life is not an accident. And human history is not aimless. It is painful in many, many stretches and for many parts of the world, but there is a plan that is coming into being where God is returning things to how they ought to be. And that hope can meet us where we are when things do not feel as they ought to be. And it can fill us with joy because we know that what we experience now is not all there is. God is still at work. The hope of shalom. Turn to your neighbor and say, the hope of shalom. The hope of shalom. Now, the next part of the story is really amazing. When you look at verse kind of 37, 43, what you see happen here. Uh, Jesus shows up to his disciples, and the primary topic of conversation is, is this a ghost or not? <laughs> Jesus shows up in the room. They've been hearing the rumors that he's alive, that he's come back. And now he just appears in this room 
that we understand from other accounts, doors locked, and now here he is, and they are frightened. They're afraid. Jesus is saying, hey, peace be with you. It's all good. Things are becoming how they ought to be, and they're freaking out. They can't even talk. It talks about a doubt, fear, and joy, and amazement. They're just so awestruck. They don't know what's going on. And Jesus finally says, hey, don't worry. You're not seeing a ghost. I am not. I'm not a ghost. And what he's sharing with them is the hope of resurrection. Let me hear, say to somebody, the hope of resurrection. The hope of resurrection. Do you know, resurrection is a, a very different thing than uh, you know, then let's say in Jesus' case, you know, even sometimes or, or, or some people say, well, I'm sure what probably happened, maybe Jesus, is, there's a thing called the swoon theory. Maybe Jesus just passed out and they kind of resuscitated and came back. And, and this is why some people feel skeptical toward it. This was not the hope of resuscitation, that Jesus is somehow kind of recovered. And now he's kind of back and doing okay. This is the hope of resurrection. What they are seeing is that not only is he there, and they get that it is him, but they're also like, it's you, but it's not you. Like, this is, wait a second. Jesus is like, no, 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 trust me, it's me. I'm not a ghost. I'm really here. See my hands, my feet. I'll show you the scars. You can see this is really me. And he asks this question, which seems like kind of oddly out of place. They're all standing there too awestruck to even talk. And Jesus says, do you have anything to eat? Imagine that moment. Yeah, do we have anything? I don't know. Guys, do we, have any, do we have any food here? You know, you ever have somebody show up at your house unexpectedly? And you're like, I don't know. I'll see what I got. Imagine the resurrected Jesus shows up. You're like, I don't know. What do we got? We got broiled fish. You want broiled? Like the, and they bring him some fish, and he eats it. And do you know why he eats it? Why is this there? This detail, and Luke is, he was a physician by trade, Luke, who wrote this. And he was concerned for details and how things work. And why is this detail, if you will, so important? Because it's Jesus showing them, a ghost cannot eat food. I'm not a ghost. This isn't a story about how life continues beyond the grave. That's not what the hope of resurrection is. The hope of resurrection is that literally our bodies can experience that transformation, that we will become who we were always meant to be. Jesus, his human body uh, it was pierced and laid down, and now he is back, but not as a ghost. His entire body has been resurrected and transformed into the resurrected Christ. The damage and the pain that was inflicted by the Roman soldiers on him, the wounds have been healed. There may still be scars, but they have been healed. It is him. He's like, it is I, it is me, myself. This is, I'm not different, I am myself, but this is the resurrected Christ. And if he is resurrected, then that gives us hope. He is, as the scriptures say elsewhere, like the firstborn in a family. That that hope of resurrection extends to us. Do you know why joy can come from resurrection? Now, some of you are here today and, uh, and you are skeptical about everything that has to do with the idea that Jesus could come back from the dead. And I want you to know that's okay. I'm so glad you're here. And, and the scriptures, even here, they always, there's always uh, people around. Jesus isn't bothered, I believe, by our, our doubts or questions. And, and so there are some of you here today, and you're just like, I just don't, I cannot even buy into this. And that's, that's, that's all good. And then there are some of you here today, and you follow Jesus for a lifetime, and you are totally bought in. But the reason you are missing Sometimes joy in your life and the joy that the hope of resurrection can bring, the reason you might miss that is because you actually haven't yet grasped the hope of resurrection. Here's, here's what I mean by that. I think this robs, and I've, I've met many people the years, and it, 
hope comes from looking forward to something, okay? Right? And if it's something we really are excited about, we feel joyful. But sometimes we're hopeful, we're glad that actually this isn't the end, but we don't actually have a good picture of what we're looking forward to. You know, uh, for some people, they picture heaven looking like a lot of clouds. I have this little cartoon. Some people picture this is going to be heaven. And we're dressed like angels, and we got halos and white robes, and these two guys are up there, and it says, I miss stress. And people kind of look at heaven. This is sort of our pop culture picture of, well, I don't know what kind of happens after you go to heaven. I guess you sit on a cloud and you don't really do anything. And to be honest, if that's your picture of heaven, a lot of people, times we absorb this, we just, it's really hard to feel that hopeful and joyful because most of us aren't really looking forward to that. Uh, you know, there is a, a movie that came out called Soul. Has anybody ever seen the movie Soul from Pixar? And uh, it's a great, judging, there hardly anyone in the room has seen it. I don't know about online, but it, it, judging from that, it sounds like it lost a lot of money. But it's a movie uh, <laughs> about this guy named Joe, and he is a, a jazz musician, and he ends up, basically the movie is about how he, uh, he basically he dies, he goes to the great beyond, and then he just wants to get back into his body because he's just like, no, I don't, I don't want to. I want to get back to where I was. And so he goes to the great beyond, and here's what it kind of looks like for Joe. And so this is Joe, and he's out in the great beyond. He's become a soul. And Joe is out there, and, and he just wants to get back to his... Now, here's the thing. A lot of us, we picture, I don't know, when you die, what happens? Do we become kind of this kind of wispy, kind of ghosty thing? And, and to be honest, if that's what most of us are like, that's not really what I look forward to. Joe, in this movie, all he wants is to get back to his body because he's like, ah, I just want to get back to what was going to happen. I was going to, he was going to join this band. Here's what Joe's life, what he wants it to look like. And so Joe is like, I want, this is how, now I want you to imagine, none of us in the room, I don't know about watching online, but none of us in the room are actually cartoons, so I get that, okay? I know that. But imagine if you had to pick one of those two pictures that you were like, I hope, I hope heaven looks like this. Would you want it to be the first one? We'll go back to it. Or is there something within you that maybe you would feel a little bit like Joe? I hope it's a little bit more like this. There's something about like, and now, and the reason I tell you this is just because I, joy comes from knowing our hope is in the future and that we look forward to that future. And what you have to know is that the hope of resurrection is that in resurrection, you will be the best of you. You will not go from like this life and it becomes something entirely foreign that really is hard to look forward to. The picture in the scriptures is that God is going to resurrect. And we're told not only are we going to be resurrected, he's going to make a whole new heavens and a whole new earth. Jesus, when he comes back resurrected, eats fish. There will be eating in our resurrected bodies. I know, amen to that, right? You can look forward to that. And it's all, you know, imagine the most expensive, best restaurant, as I understand, they'll all be free. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe don't quote me on that. Somehow we'll end up, but I'm sorry, I just assumed it was, I didn't know much, you know. Uh, don't, don't quote me on that. So, but, uh, you know, I, I say it's, the scriptures don't give us a lot, a lot of pictures of exactly what, uh, what it will look like in the new heavens, the new earth, other than uh, we will dwell in the presence of God, but we will experience not not kind of, oh, man, life has always looked like this, and now it's just this, we're on clouds. No, there will be an element in which the very best of this world is redeemed and resurrected. 
It's not all kick to the side and let's start over. Jesus, the, the plan of the scriptures is not start over, it's resurrection. The healing of wounds, but the promise of new life, the way things always were, ought to be. And when we have that hope, when we can actually, you know, not be lost and wonder, I don't know, but knowing, yes, that is the hope. Jesus was resurrected, and, his, and this has happened so that we could have the hope of resurrection. That brings us joy. That brings us joy. Because we know this moment is not all there is. There is a hope of resurrection. We look forward to it. You know, the last dimension to hope I want to highlight here is around this idea of knowing that Jesus' resurrection reminds us there is a bigger story. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's a bigger story. There's a bigger story. You know, Jesus, it says what he had to do while he's eating his fish and having some conversation with uh, everybody. It says that he started to open their minds. He's going to try and help them understand the scriptures. And it says he has to go through all the law, the prophets, and the psalms. Basically, what he's going to do is go through this kind of whole chunk of the scriptures with which they've been so familiar. And he's going to explain to them how actually all of it was pointing to him. All of it was always about this story that God was unfolding. That this wasn't an accident. He didn't get kind of caught up in the wrong you know, kind of the wrong thing happening and oops, crossed the wrong people and now he ended up crucified. No, all of this was part of a larger story that didn't just run through Jesus 33 years on planet Earth, but that had been going all the way back to the garden. Since the beginning of creation, God was unfolding this story that was always going to culminate in resurrection and the hope of future restoration for all creation. You know, I think it's so important to understand this bigger story because, uh, especially if you're a person of faith, whenever we understand that there's a bigger story, you know, the, the disciples had to, like, Jesus had to go back and go all this, all this time, all these events, all these moments. You didn't, he's going, no one realized that at the time, but it was all, all part of a larger story God was writing. And, and actually in all the, because if you read through the history, which, uh, you know, travels, uh, uh, you know, over a thousand years, I, I think, you know, something like that in the Old Testament, it's a long story. And it is full of painful moments. And it's full of moments where it looks like all is lost. And in fact, by the time those scriptures finish reading, there's a 400-year gap between the last time God spoke in part of that story and when Jesus appears on the scene. 400 years of silence, 400 years of darkness. And through all that time, it would have been so easy to think, maybe, maybe it's just not all going anywhere, but Jesus is going to help them see that this resurrection was part of a larger story. And you know why that brings hope? Because if you know in your life that actually... What you're experiencing right now may be a moment, but there is a larger story. That hope can bring joy even in the moment. You know, we have a, uh, a nine-ish month old son. Uh, so, you know, many of you are part of the Shumar tribe, you know that. And uh, if, for whatever reason, as of late, like maybe it was a special kind of Easter treat, uh, he's decided not to sleep at nighttime anymore. Like just, 
It's like he just decided, you know what, I've got so much joy, I want to be up all night. And so uh, the other night, for whatever reason, it's kind of out of nowhere. You know, we were, we were thinking, you know, I think we turned a corner. Like, I think he's starting to really sleep one. Well, out of nowhere, he decides to stay awake one night from about 10 p.m. until about 5 a.m. And that means that we also got to stay up between those hours. And, uh, and he was really upset, nothing we could really do. He was just really happy. Uh, in fact, I think he was saying, I'm so glad it's easy. I got the hope of the resurrection, Dad. And I'm, anyway, I don't know. But he was smiling and joyful and all, but he was, but he was awake. And uh, nothing uh, that, I, I tried everything, I knew, we tried everything we knew, nothing was going to help him uh, get to sleep. I mean, driving, like if anybody's out at 2 a.m., say, hey, wave when you pass me. You know, and we tried everything, all the tricks, all the, and I know some of you are like, oh, don't worry, Dean, I'm going to send you this book. I got a book about, I've read all the books, I know all the stuff, I know all the tricks. Like, we tried it. Like, nothing was working. I prayed, you know, Jesus, please. And, and when you're in the middle of the night, sometimes in the middle of the night, it feels like the night is so long. And, and multiple times I thought this night may never end. I thought this is it. I will be here forever. This is how it will work. I'll never sleep again. There's no joy. There's no, you know, there is so much. The night can feel so long. And Unless, we all know this, a, a baby who won't sleep, like, honestly, that is not a really hard thing. I say that as an example in life. You can fix that problem with coffee, you know, like, not for the kid, for you. But <laughs> I tried the coffee. That didn't work either. But, you know, I don't know why he couldn't sleep. Anyway, but my point is that, that, that stuff, I, I say that as an example of, you know, some of you are facing genuine long nights. There are people listening or watching online. You feel like, man, this... I've been, I've been walking this road a long time, and it just feels like a night that's never going to end. You know, the, any of the people of God throughout history probably felt like, is there any hope? Is this ever going to end? 400 years of silence they had from God and what they were trusting. Is, this, is there ever going to be an end to this night? But Jesus helps them see that, you know what, all the time it felt like there was nothing happening. All the time it felt like hope was lost. All the time it felt like, you know, he says those, that was actually just a moment. There was always something else happening. That God was unfolding his plan over time. All the law, the prophets, the Psalms, all of it was part of this huge story that God was always writing. And in your life, no matter how long that night seems, I promise you it's just a moment. It's a long moment. I get it. And it's not as trivial as something like a sleepless night with a baby. I get it. But it's, it feels like a long, but I, the hope of the resurrection is to realize that still it's just a moment. And not only that, but even when it feels like nothing is happening and God's just silent, God is still working. That's the hope. The resurrection, the resurrection was the proof, the exclamation point, the stamp to say God is still working. And there's hope. There's hope beyond your moment. There's hope beyond the night. Joy, as the scriptures say, comes in the morning. You know, when we embrace and understand this kind of hope, the resurrection... It gives us absolute, uh, it gives us confidence. It gives us, it, gives us, it gives us hope. It gives us hope to know that actually there is a way things ought to be. 
It gives us hope to know that actually we can look forward, that, that even the worst of this life, even the, 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 the nailing of Jesus to the cross in this world, all that pain will be healed and find a place in the resurrection. And the resurrection helps us know that no matter what moment we're experiencing, no matter how long or dark the night feels, God is still at work. And when we can anchor ourselves in that hope, and even when the moment feels like the night, and even when the moment feels painful, we have a hope that goes beyond that moment. And that's where we can actually find joy. That's where we find joy. It says that the people, in verse 53, the only response they could have, it says they worshiped him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. The outcome of it all is that we can actually know joy. We can find joy. You know, if you're here and you're a person of faith, and you, how do we respond to Easter Sunday, to Resurrection Sunday, to the good news that Jesus is alive? How do we respond? The, the way to respond is in worship. It says they went and worshiped him. They went, if this news is here, this is not something that we will make peripheral in our lives. It will not be sort of like, this is good. Let's add that to our lives and we can still keep doing the things we are doing. But now we kind of have this nice Jesus piece. No, to worship is to say, they went, we're going, this is center of our lives. That's what worship is. It's to go, to bow before and say, this and this alone is at the center of our lives. It says they stayed at the temple continually praising God. The only response to, to if this is true, if it is true, the only natural response is to actually say, this is worth giving my life to, centering my life on, worshiping, not making it something that's sort of like a piece of my life or I do it occasionally or I remind myself from time to time about how Jesus lives, but actually it says they worship continually. Think of all the things you do in your life continually. You know, in our day and age, a lot of us uh, check our mobile phones continually. Some of us check our, our, uh, our stock portfolios continually. Some of us keep an eye on uh, the housing and real estate market continually. Some of us, uh, you know, watch uh, Netflix or some subscription service maybe like every day. You could say continually. And, and my point is not that any of those things are bad things. But if you're a person of faith, do you worship Jesus continually? Is it the thing in your life that you always go back to? Say, this is where my hope is. Is there a, a sense in which even to gather on a Sunday and for worship, that's not something we do randomly or occasionally, but continually we gather because it reminds us this is what my life revolves around, the good news that Christ is alive. And in a week that may be full of darkness and dark moments, Every Sunday, there's a chance to say, no, light is coming. My hope is in the resurrection. It's what worship is about. To be people who daily engage in seeking after the presence of God. Worship continually is what brings transformation. Worship brings joy, and joy brings worship. And if we're missing the joy of the resurrection, sometimes it's because our lives have begun to revolve around other stories, other visions of what we're hoping for. Worship leads to joy, and joy leads to worship. Now, there's some of you here today, though, and you say, but I don't know if I believe this. I don't buy into it. There may be someone who you're here today, and you go, Dean, I wish I could. It's a great idea. That would be nice to think that you could have that kind of hope. You might feel like that. 
And my encouragement to you is just to explore this thing. You know, the disciples here in the story, the people who first met Jesus, they started off with doubts and uncertainty. And like I said, that, that nobody, I think, actually starts with just buying it. But the, it's, so it's, if there's a part of your heart that just thinks, I wish it could possibly, maybe, can I just encourage you to explore that, to engage? You know, one of the things that we do as a church, it's called Alpha. And Alpha is a chance to explore, to look and to say, is this story something that I... Uh, how do I even understand it? I mean, you're certainly not going to, in a, a few minutes with me on one morning, wrap your head around it all. I'm just touching on a few things here today. But maybe you'd like to explore it. And one of the environments, just as they kind of met in that room and they were talking and Jesus was explaining things, they ate together and all those things. Uh, Alpha is a nine-week course that meet together with some other people around a table, uh, people who doubt, people who believe, just meet with other people. And over nine weeks, you get to kind of eat together and explore is this something that I could believe, want to believe, think is true or not? And, and I just want to encourage you to consider that this, if, it, if it's true, it is worth, you know, it is worth putting at least the effort of saying, let me explore it to find out. So we'd love to invite you to Alpha. And, and whatever happens in your life, no worries, but we'd love to invite you to to Alpha, and, and we're, we're starting one. It kicks off on, on Wednesday next week. We always start with a party, and maybe you're not even sure if you want to do it, but you can just come to the party. You can hear a little bit more about what it's about because it's a space where you're free to just explore, to open your mind. In fact, we're going to look for a moment, you know, if, if you think that sounds like something you might want to do, but you're a little unsure of, I want you to hear a story of uh, a guy who uh, came along recently. I, I think it was probably last year. He went along to one of these ALF parties. His name is Barry. And we're just going to hear a little bit of his story. Have a look at his story. I would say 